What's up, y'all? You are listening to The Strut Talk, where we face our anxieties with a little boldness. I'm your host, Ozzy, and today we are having our mid-season finale of the podcast, which is incredible. So first, I just want to say thank you to you for supporting and continuing to listen as I go down this new venture. It's meant a lot to me, and it's been really fun so far. Um, I'm happy, though, to take a little break and just really think about how I can make this into the vision that I see it as and give my audience something that I'm really proud of and that they can really connect with. Nonetheless, I'm so grateful to have made it here with y'all and even more so grateful to have made it through 2022. And if you're here listening, you've made it too. So congrats to us. We did that thing. In 2023, we're coming for bigger and better things for sure. Even though it's the end of the year, I don't really want an episode reflecting on 2022 because I think that we lived it and we experienced it. So there's not much for me to say about it because each day, each day was a reflection. So I wanna do something a little bit light. Didn't wanna talk about, you know, the state versus Tory, shout out to Meg. I didn't wanna talk about climate change. Like, why is it so damn cold in California? I've never experienced a winter like this. You know, I didn't wanna talk about any politics. I just wanted something that's gonna make me feel like, ah, okay, that's not too heavy, even if it means I'm getting a little bit deep. And so I was like, what makes me feel that way? Mm, Love, I guess. Or better yet, Love is Blind. (laughs) The Netflix hit show. Um, that just aired at season three pretty recently. And I know I'm late to the game. I know it's been a few months since it came out, but you know, there's always room to talk about what you think about things. Like don't ever let people tell you that something is too old or like it's outdated or it doesn't matter anymore. Like, no, (laughs) no, your voice matters, your opinion matters, and you get to speak on things because it's interesting to you. So that's what we're doing today. And you know, We're having a little fun. We're getting a little deep, but nothing too heavy. So let's go ahead and jump right in because maybe it won't be too scary. We've seen so many shows dedicated to finding love. And it's like, you're seeing these types of shows everywhere. I'm talking about The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Love Island, Married at First Sight, The Ultimatum, Ready to Love, Black Love. I like, those are just a few that I can name off top. And I know that I'm not someone who even is like committed to this type of genre. So people who actually know about this type of genre, I know y'all know way more than I do. I've got to say, I am a fan of Love Island. (laughs) Love Island, Australia was one to like really get me introduced into this genre and as much as I hated watching it I loved watching it it was something that was really really like I couldn't like my sister be like do you want to watch an episode yes yes I do want to watch an episode you know try to play cool and whatnot but like sure but on the inside yes girl let's sit down and watch this episode but all that to say that there's so many shows so many things that are now popping up that are all dedicated to finding love. It's a human need, a human desire, need, and something that everybody against color, creed, race, religion is out here trying to find. And I think that's what I find so interesting about these shows because it seems as if they're actually connecting with the broad swath of people. When you can find something that everybody understands, 
you have found a jackpot. <laughs> you really have. So shout out to the producers. Shout out to the people who are capitalizing on love. <laughs> shout out to the people who are capitalizing on our insecurities. And here is our anxious question for the episode. What are the signs that we are willing to ignore in our quest for love? Like said, love is a human desire. It's a human need. It's a growing cultural obsession. Or excuse me, let me take out the growing part. There's nothing growing about love. Oh, well, actually, I would hope that your love does grow. But, you know, I guess all that to say, it's just a cultural obsession. There's always this undertone, especially, you know, as it's marketed and targeted for women. You know, it's very gendered. It feels safe. It feels secure. We are already moving in a world that is so chaotic that to be able to come home and know that you have a person that you vibe with, you can laugh with, that you connect with in... It's wanted. We want that. Okay, I'm gonna leave it at that. And I didn't think I would be talking about love multiple times in season one. I thought I'd at least spread it out so I could at least drop some interesting updates for y'all. Like, you know what? It's calling us back. Love said it's everywhere. She wanted us to talk about her some more. So here we are talking about her some more because what that show did do for me was bring up all these thoughts, not only about what does it look like to be in a relationship, which is another episode coming very soon, probably later on, like more like season two. And then on the other end, it was bringing up things about finding love. I think what makes life so scary is the uncertainty. And if you are somewhat of a control freak like me, that is bothersome. Like, where's the control? Everybody says the journey is the fun part, but I'm like, no, I would like to know where I'm going. If I was given an option, I'm going to know where I'm going. Girl, give me the destination. What are you talking about? Anyhow, finding love. It's kind of hard to say if you're going to do it in life. You know, there's billions of people out here and there's certainly soulmates out here, but it's just a matter of like finding them and actually connecting with them. And in a world that does feel increasingly connected, somehow it does feel very, very hard to find the thing that we are all looking for. So like said, today we are zooming into season three of Netflix's hit show, Love is Blind, where a group of men and women looking for love sign up for an experiment that explores whether or not love is just that. The men stay at one house, the women stay at one house, but they all go on a series of dates. And so I like to think of the experiment as having maybe four key parts. So the first part is the wall, and I'm not talking about Game of Thrones. The people go on these dates, but these dates involve going to these rooms and they are separated by a wall. You have your date, you get to know the person, you don't, you can't see them, you can't feel them, you know, you have no other inclination about who this person is beyond their voice and what they tell you. And for a few select couples, we don't know who it's going to be. It could be a match, you know, you could talk to someone and decide. And after a few days of talking, like, wow, I really like this person. And if that's the case, then you would propose to them. And if you propose to them, you both finally get to meet. And, you know, people are stunned and it could be for good or for bad. Like I remember season one, there was definitely a for bad moment. And then you proceed to stage two, where the couples who were do get engaged move off to like a honeymoon paradise kind of vibe. I believe it's somewhere in California, so you know it's popping. And they just, 
get to explore each other a little bit more. However, my favorite part about the stage is that they get to meet everybody else. I'm messy. I am messy, okay? I don't like to be in mess, but I love to observe mess. But then after that, we move to stage three, which is kind of like the married life simulation, which is where the couples live together in these apartments, which are all, I think, in the same building. But you kind of get to see, and they also really get to see, that's the more important part, how it would feel like to really live like beyond the like, ooh, the honeymoon stage. Although it's kind of sped up, right? Like it's only been a few days. I don't know actually the timeline of the show. I don't really know how long these like moments in time are because I'm like, is it over two weeks? Is it over a few days? I don't know. And then finally we get to the last stage, which is where the couples either get to solidify and cement their love and say, I do at the altar, or they say, I don't and end it. Now, there were many questionable actions done by the people who participated in this season, who participate in the show, but I have to commend them for even doing it because I don't think I could have done this at all, at all. There's no way I'm marrying anybody in a few weeks. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If you are someone who would have a shotgun wedding, I support you, friend. I don't think there's anything wrong with it because things can go down whether you married someone after four years or whether you married someone after four months. But nonetheless, the idea of marrying a stranger, because this is what I will not disagree with, or this is what I will not argue with, or be like, you can't change my mind on this. You don't know somebody after four months. And so I'm not marrying someone who I actually don't know. Can you know someone fully deeply before you get them before you get married to them? Maybe not, but I could definitely know more about them in four years than four months. So like I said, I commend these people for even considering, for even considering doing something that sounds crazy as hell, that sounds foolish as hell. Shout out to y'all. I can't even talk too much mess because at the end of the day, it's easier to talk mess when you're watching someone versus when you're actually in the situation. I also have to commend these people for signing up to be foolish because we can all laugh here and talk mess again, like I said, but the fact of the matter is to me, I think people here were being vulnerable about the thing that we all yearn for and I really respect that. Love is foolish and it makes you do foolish things. So, you know, going on a production show is not different from any of the foolish things. But before we really delve into all of this, what does love actually mean? Like, what is our reference point as we're moving through this the show and zooming in, our zoom in, our analysis of this show? I was watching YouTube videos because, like I said before, I love YouTube. It's probably my favorite social media app. Actually, I don't think I've said that before. YouTube's my favorite social media app. And one of my favorite YouTubers, Khadijah Mbawe, I hope I said her last name right. Um, as a fellow African, I really feel like I should do better, but that's my attempt and I think I'm good. Um, I was watching her take on Love is Blind season three and I loved one of her bigger commentaries was the issue of not hearing what love meant to any of these people. I did find this article where everyone kind of they had a list of all of the participants and the things like their name, their age, what they did, where they're from, and the question of why they're joining the show. So some people did address why they were looking for love on the show, but nonetheless, 
very rarely did you hear why people were like what love meant for these people on the show beyond them saying like they like this person because they did insert superficial thing here so i agree with khadija there and you know it really made me think like if i'm gonna provide an analysis of this this show like what were the what was the reference point for me in watching the show that made me be like ah no yes no so this is my working definition because really i have no idea what the hell love is i'm just here on earth like he as in God, just put me here. Every day is another day to wake up and figure out what plans he had. But this is my working definition. I feel like love is wanting to do for someone with the same care that you would do for yourself. And I think it's taken me a long, long, long time to recognize that. Because if you listen to the last episode, which if you haven't, I don't know what you're doing. You need to pause this and go back and listen to the last episode and then come back and enjoy some commentary on a show that has nothing to do with the last episode. Um, but in the last episode, I really talked a lot about the time I had being a people pleaser and really putting other people before me and how that kind of shaped the role that I saw for myself in the story of my life. When I thought about love, love always felt conditional and it always felt contingent upon me doing something for other people. And it never started with myself. So now that I'm older and I'm moving through and I'm starting to come into who I am and I'm starting to enjoy who this person is, don't get me wrong, there are days where I'm like, ooh, girl, I hate you. But there are many more days where I'm like, oh my God, like I am so honored to be in this space of Ozzy, you know, I'm so honored to be in this body, in this person, in this spirit. And I, I love the fact that I get to explore who I am every day. I have so much more care for who I am. There's more intention around the day in terms of ensuring that I feel good. And to me, that reflects care. And if I can give that to somebody else, then that is me showing you the highest level of love that I have to give. So that's my definition of love. And that could change very well, like a day or two from now, or a few years from now, a few months from now, you know, as I continue to ascend into my person. But for now, that's what I'm rocking with. Um, and I like it. I like it. I'm like, you know what? If you was going to be loved by me, you'd be loved very well. Okay? Okay. But even if you define what love means for yourself, I think that the next issue is overcoming the obstacles and finding where and with who that love materializes. So reference a little bit earlier, we live in a world that is so different, you know, it's so different. And I think at every stage of human existence, finding love would have had its own different obstacles. I don't mean by any means to say that we're in a worse off time because I can't imagine living back in the days where I would have been married off at like 14, 12. That would have been horrible. I guess the obstacles, some of the obstacles I've kind of seen for myself now in just like the short time between like maybe, I don't know, maybe my mom, you know, dating and marrying and me. Our dating apps, obviously technology. I think dating apps can be super helpful. I think they can be great in creating relationships. I just hear about that story of someone finding love on a dating app 
a lot more than you'd expect. And I think we all kind of do. When I ask people, oh, how'd you meet your partner? Oh, on Hinge. Oh, on Tinder. You know, and I'm like, wow. And obviously these dating apps are also, they're trying to make sure that that's the, the, the narrative they're putting out about themselves. Like Hinge and all its commercials about, you know, Hinge, the dating app that's meant to be deleted. And I, I do see people deleting it. It's working. Nonetheless, though, I do feel like dating apps in some sense have warped our understanding of love. Um, for instance, the idea of disposability and people, like being able to dispose people very easily. I don't think it's intentional, but if you can swipe left or swipe right on someone, when you're Xing people, it definitely is based on a very superficial, superficial assessment because that's all you can do. Just anything you put on your profile, that's all I've got to measure my my decision. Or people who are just like hooked up onto the next and it's like, that's fine. Because you know, we have to make sure we are sex positive out here. I'm not trying to bash anybody or shame anybody for doing what they want to do with their own bodies. I respect it. I just think that we have a bigger issue of people not being transparent, communication lines being very, very low, of people not really being authentic about what they're looking for. And it feels almost like the dating apps are being used as a means for people to just kind of like come in and come out and then not have any kind of accountability. Another obstacle in dating is your positionality in life. Editing OZ jumping in here. So I try to find some statistics or some more information to support this claim here, but I know I've seen somewhere in the past that Black women, especially professional Black women, are increasingly single or divorced. And that's obviously scary for the fact that I identify as a Black woman and I'm a very ambitious Black woman. So I know that there's always going to be something I'm trying to attain. So anyhow, was trying to find my statistics and ended up stumbling upon this Essence article where they were interviewing two Black matchmakers um, and they were talking about this kind of pattern that we're seeing of black professional women being increasingly, as I said, single or divorced. And they, I just don't agree with what they said. They said that this is because um, black women are fast tracking their careers and focusing on those careers versus focusing on love, I guess. Now, also, I say this lightly because in irritation, I clicked out of the article you know, you would think that as someone who has to kind of weigh different sides in my job that I would I would find it a little bit easier to read things that I disagree with, but I don't. I get easily irritated. I don't agree with that simply for the fact that I feel like it's unfair to tell women to put your career on a back burner or to the side when there's no issues or no repercussions for men who are chasing a career, who are chasing their education, who want more, who want better for themselves. What I will say is that balance should always be in everyone's lives, regardless of how you identify. So I don't ever really think that your career should take up all of your life. Just like I don't think that like, you know, your social life and just being a parent or just being a lover should take up all of your life. You know, like we're human. We need to have many things going on for ourselves. You know, we get our fulfillment from many different things. So those things can all exist at the same time. Will it be hard? Absolutely. And sometimes some things are going to have to be prioritized over others for sure. But I don't think that's the reason why 
black women are increasingly single. It might be a factor for some, but I was just having a con- this conversation with my sister because like I said, I was irritated after listening or after reading that small quote. And, you know, we kind of came to this conclusion that we are still in a relatively fresh place of women kind of gaining their independence. So there's still a lot of mindsets that have to be changed. There's still a lot of system breaking to be done. And one of those things is blaming women for doing more for themselves or being better humans (laughs) or um, chasing goals as the reason for them being single versus the many other factors that can exist. If you ask me, I think, if you ask me, this is my podcast. I think that one of the big factors here is that a woman who is educated or who is a professional or, you know, someone who, let me just keep it there because that's the statistic I'm talking about, but in no means do I mean to associate that with a better person or deserves more nothing like that. I think that that's just intimidating. And like said, there's still a lot of mindsets, a lot of system breaking to be done. So I think that if you are looking to date a man, that is someone that there's many more men who are more intimidated by that than there are men who feel comfortable with that. In the world we live in, we're still dealing with a lot of gendered ideas. And one of those gendered ideas is that it's probably weird to a guy to see someone who can can handle him toe-to-toe in a debate or like is not just going to go for it because he said go for it you know or who has other goals and he's not the number one thing in her life or to kind of go back to the idea that we're all socialized in this world so just as much as women are socialized to be one thing men are kind of socialized to be providers and if you are kind of arriving to the set and you have everything you know or there's a perception that you have everything that can be intimidating to a man who's looking to figure out how he can place himself in your life. And I know there might be more to it, but that's just a general thought. And those are general conclusions I'm going to give. So there's obviously a lot more gray area in that. And so be it, you know, I'm not denying that, but that's my thoughts on it. And that's what I'm going to share here. All right, let's jump back in. That can make it harder for me to find who I'm looking for, especially if I'm in a demographic that already experiences colorism, racism, you know, gender-based violence, you know, things that already kind of make it harder, make dating less safe. Trauma, trauma can make you operate from a place of fear and block intimacy formation. And then also another obstacle is like access. Like if you live in certain areas, it might not be safe for you to openly date who you want to date. Or on the flip side, You might live in a big metro city like Los Angeles, New York, Miami, Dallas, Houston, wherever. And, you know, all the access to so many people, it just heightens the possibility that you're going to interact with people who are playing games or not really serious or, you know, just looking for a quick hookup. Meanwhile, you're over here just looking for love. You know, that's it. That's what you want. I don't want to like minimize how important it is to also be able to just kind of flirt, to get around, to see what you like, to do everything safely. These are just some things that make it a little bit harder to find a deeper connection. Not impossible, just harder. When you think about these types of obstacles, going on a show doesn't seem all that bad. Uh, 
swaying your chances in the real world, you're probably going to experience the same types of things that you're experiencing in these pods. You're just experiencing them in these pods way faster and just maybe harder because, you know, you're isolated. You don't have your phone. You don't have your friends, your family to kind of help you through these things. So, but now that we got all the fun stuff out of the way, let's just jump into a quick review of these couples and see what their edits teach us. Except for Alexa and Brendan, if you watch the show, you know who they are. Um, I'm sorry, I just found them boring and I don't have anything to say about them. Except good luck, well wishes, may you have a long and happy, prosperous marriage. Besides that, got nothing else to say. Oh, also Alexa's very beautiful, but besides that, nothing else to say. We're just gonna keep it short, you know? I'm not really trying to address any things that have happened after the show. I really just wanna keep it to what happened in the show. And it's going to be like little things that, you know, like I said, their edits taught us. And that made me be like, ooh, I want to make sure I don't do that. Or want to make sure I learn from that. Or I can relate to that. Or I want to be like that, which I don't think happened at all. Not to say these people aren't probably cool or good or nice. Just the experience of watching them on the show. That's what we're talking about. So let's start off with our first couple, Bartise and Nancy. So Bartise was a 27-year-old senior analyst, but at the time of recording the show, Bartise was 25 years old. I remember because I was like, oh, when I saw his age. Changed everything for me. Also, side note, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think your occupation is the only thing about you, but again, I'm, I'm just trying to like give you guys some taste. Nancy is a 32-year-old real estate investor. I think at the time she was 31. They, y'all, were my the couple that probably... They were one of three couples that I was very, very interested in for many, many reasons. Most of them bad. I'm trying to also give all of these people grace because really, truly... This is not to bash anybody. I don't want to be mean about anybody. I don't want to I don't want to say nothing crazy about anybody. I'm just trying to have my honest thoughts, my honest opinions about the things that they made me think about. And one of the honest things was age. I'm sorry. I'm very 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 sorry. There's no way that a 25-year-old man is going to know what to do with a 31-year-old woman. And if you think that you can, I would love to hear it. I think that a 25-year-old is mature, a mature adult. I don't question that. I just think that they're not going to be mature enough to understand how to show up in a marriage with someone who is going to be more mature. He's not on your level, sis. And that made me sad because to me, I thought Nancy was a great catch. I really did think that she was cute and she seemed like she had a lot going for herself. And she had like a good head on her shoulders. And I think Bartiz, I'm not going to lie, he annoyed me. The whole season, that man annoyed me. Oh my God, the man truly annoyed me. But objectively, I think that he has good things going for himself too. I just think that they were in two different stages of life. And there was just no way that they were going to understand each other, you know, at that point. And I definitely think that was the thing about age. Like when you're dating a younger man, Unless you're in a cougar situation where it's like, we already know what it is. You know, dating a younger man to me just feels like, no, like 
he's in a different stage, not even just because he's 25, but mentally that boy is probably like 18. Now it's different if he's like a year younger than you or two years. Like if she's 31 and he's 29, like maybe I'd have a little bit more hope, you know? But that kind of age difference with between an older woman and a younger man and an older woman who's looking for marriage, I just was like, oh my God. The moment he would have told me he's 25, I would have been like, oh, okay, I can't, Bartiz. This was fun, but you know, no. no. And of course we have to acknowledge how gendered that is because it wouldn't be anything to me if it was like a 25 year old woman talking to a 31 year old man. Um, maybe, maybe I'd be like, oh, she's a little bit younger than him, but it wouldn't be weird to me. Um, because again, I just feel like the age, the maturity levels are a little bit closer versus a 25 year old man. I just think mm, mm, the maturity levels are nowhere near close to me at 31. I do appreciate them kind of having this scenario on screen for us because I really think it invites a lot of conversation about why does it feel so much, why are the implications so different? would love to see her with someone who was mature on her level versus someone who, like her brother said at the wedding, was a boy, a boy. And there's nothing wrong with Bartise being a boy. He's 25. He gets to experiment and explore life and see what that looks like for him. But to come and waste somebody's time behind trying to be something you're not, no. No, no, no. And that kind of brings us into the next situation, the danger of idealizing love. You know, I, I think, again, because he was 25 it was easier to kind of catch the performance of love. He just did, there was nothing that exuded love. I mean, cause I also think he didn't really like her like beyond that. I just don't think he liked her. But I think that what he tried to do often in the show that made me feel like uncomfortable was try to perform this act of love, perform what, what being in love looks like and there's nothing more irritating than seeing someone do something like act a certain way and you can just tell they're acting it's like if you don't get out of here get out that irked my nerves but i think it also spoke to the larger thing of like to some extent everybody kind of did this like and this is probably my issue with these types of shows i hate gushy gushy weirdo oh, i'm sorry not weirdo <laughs> trauma I just hate all of that, like, I love you so much, but I really don't know who you are. Like, you don't know this person. Like, why are you trying to act like you're so in love? Like, you don't know this person. Okay, so we're going to put that one a little bit more to the side, that aspect of idealizing love a little bit to the side, because that's more of a production thing. But yeah, I think that he was just trying to prove that he had the capacity to offer something more authentic that didn't seem that true and authentic to his feelings at all. When you're performing love, I don't think you're actually making room to get to know the person who you're actually with, you know? You're doing all the things that that people say is what love looks like, but does that actually matter to your partner? Is that actually what your partner likes? Is that actually what your partner told you? Like, are you actually connecting with the person, the other person on the other side? Or are you just doing things because you feel like you're at a stage of life where you should be married and you should be in love? Or like, you know, your friends have partners and so you just want to kind of catch up on that wave. It just felt like, mm, it just really like made, brought that to my attention again. I don't know, like made me really think about how how much of love, again, not only 
Are there many times where it has so little to do with you? Like the times when you can't recognize that you need to love yourself first before you can love anybody else. But sometimes it can have so little to do with the other person, which isn't fair to the other person. And I think Raven, who's another participant in the show, really highlighted this very well when she spoke to Bartise. Like this was during the messy part where Bartise saw Raven, who was one of his one of his potential considerations, you know, before he chose Nancy in the pods. Um, and when he saw Raven, he was wowed by what her physical appearance looked like. But Raven, I think, really said very poignantly at um, one of their little hangouts where all the couples were hanging out and her and Bartise were talking. She could tell that he, she and he were not going to have that connection because, you know, the the emotional connection wasn't the same. They didn't they didn't kind of do things in the same manner, and that he, to what I got from her, what what she was saying was essentially like you know, Bartiz didn't see Raven, he saw the external, the the shell of what the world sees. Beautiful girl, and he considers himself a handsome man, and therefore it should work. I've recently dated somebody who similarly did not see me, didn't hear the things I told him, didn't respect my boundaries. And it doesn't have to be something that's being done in an overtly disrespectful way. No, it can just simply be that someone is not listening. Like you tell them something and then literally in the next breath, they completely disregard it, you know, completely act like you never said anything. Because ultimately which it took me some time to see, but you know, a friend had pointed out to me before, ultimately that person was just more interested in what I could represent to him versus me. I agree with her that he, Bartiz, because again, I think it has a lot to do with his age. I think again, he's looking more so at like only a, a limited list of factors to check off as love. And when you're overlooking that, the fact that you're even performing love can escape you. You actually don't even have the full assessment. Um, and speaking of that, I think Bartiz and Nancy's relationship also really highlighted to me the importance of physical connection. I hate to say that I agree with him on some levels, but he said at the reunion that physical con- physical attraction is important. And I agree I agree, Bartiz. I agree, young Bartiz. I do. Now, just because physical attraction is important doesn't mean that everything else is less important or comes second. I'm not saying that anything like that. I'm not saying anything like that. But I really hate this idea of shaming people or like looking at people sideways for basically being like, it's important to them that their partner is fine to them. Or like they want their partner to look good. I think where we run into trouble is where people only look at that. But like, if I'm going to be with someone, no, babes, I need to freaking look at you and want to just like, mm. there's no way I'm going to be with someone who I literally don't look at and be like, damn, you know? And honestly, if no one's, if your partner's not looking at you like, damn, then that's not your partner. Why would I want to be with someone who looks at me like a homie only? I do want to be friends with my partner, but there's no reason why my partner and I should just be seeing each other's like, oh, that's my friend. Like physical attraction is a very important part of a relationship. We should stop downplaying that. 
because we all want to be attracted to our partners. It also invites a bigger conversation around what attraction really means because attraction can look so different for so many people. Yet while attraction can look so different, there is a larger narrative in our society about what makes someone physically attractive. And we already know that narrative, those images, that presentation is very exclusive. It can be featureist. It can be racist. It can be fat phobic. It can be all of these things that really make many, many people not feel in accord with the standard level of beauty. I think that is probably more so where the discomfort around Bartise's honesty about his his need to be physically attracted to his partner really comes from because we have a scene where he tells Nancy straight up about how attracted he is to Raven. And it's so cringe. It's so cringe. He spent about a good, maybe, honestly, could be longer because, again, this is an edit. But it, it felt like five minutes in the show. So I'm sure for Nancy that felt like an eternity of hearing your fiancé completely idolize and romanticize this woman that he had a potential connection with and finally gets to see and he's just so in awe of her beauty. All these things that he's saying, all the words he's saying to Nancy, the one one of the things that really bothered me was when he said that him and Raven are the type of people in the world that people go after. And if you watch the show, Raven and Bartiz are both light-skinned, both have curly hair, um, although Bartiz is, is a little kinkier, um, but nonetheless, it's like, what does that mean? You know, people who are both very fit, you know? So it's like, what, what does that mean exactly? Because who goes after you? Not everyone is going after that look. Not everybody's attracted to that look. Also, what was not to say that Nancy's not the type of girl that people go after in the real world. But sadly, as Nancy herself said, the difference is that she's just not a tall, fit blonde. And like said, Bartiz is entitled to be attracted to who he's attracted to. But the insinuation is enough to create this idea that there are some people who are physically attractive and others who are not when physically being physically attractive is subjective. Okay, I took too long on that. And lastly, as it relates to Bartiz and Nancy, they brought up a really, really interesting point to me that I'm not going to take too long to talk about because I don't really know how I feel about it yet. But how important are the thoughts of your family and friends? Because... In one scene, we see Bartiz really struggle. This is now after him and Nancy have made it past the pods, after they made it past the honeymoon stage with some bumps. And then now they're kind of in that marriage, marriage simulation and they meet each other's families. Personally, again, because I feel like Bartiz maybe liked Nancy, but when things got real, he realized he didn't really like Nancy. I think that he kind of used his family and his friends not necessarily seeing him with her as an out. I do personally, that's my personal belief. Just seeing him kind of change his interactions with her based and then kind of rely on this idea that his family and friends, you know, he's really thinking about their thoughts on, on her and him. It just felt like a cop-out, but it also just made me be like, it's a really fine balance because I think your family and friends do know you to an extent, but they only know you as they know you. They don't know you in a relationship. So how is it, they can't possibly know what that home life is looking like for you and your partner. They can't possibly know the parts of you that your partner gets to see. Your family will never know that. Are you dating your family? Are you dating your friends? I mean, some people are, but 
for the most part, not everybody. So therefore, like, even if your family and friends give you thoughts and opinions and see things that you don't, they will never fully be able to give you the full insight that you're looking for if you're someone who relies heavily on their thoughts and opinions. I think it's important to be able to talk to your family and your friends about things that are happening in your relationship um, because people can offer insight. Like I love the idea of getting like marital advice from friends who are also married or from your parents who can offer insight and stuff like that. But I don't think that those should be the 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 decisive factors in how you move in your relationship. It should only be consideration. Unless it's an extreme situation like domestic violence. I'm not faulting Bartise for this also. I do want to be clear on that because I think it's a natural thing to have happen. If my mom told me something about the person I was dating, I might put a lot more weight onto it than I would hope I would put, you know, subconsciously. My sister, when my sister tells me yes or no on things, I'm like, okay. If she, my sister says no to something, I'm like, oh, I guess it's a no. So it's something I have to do for myself too. I, I appreciate them showing that. Let's move on next to our um, second couple, Zanab and Cole. So first, let's just say here, Zanab is so damn beautiful. I'm trying not to say anything crazy because I don't want it to not age well because I know there's so many things that have come out. But let me just say this. I found... I found what she presented or what was edited or whatever the case was. However, she showed up in the show. I didn't think it was too flattering for her because it definitely left me with like a confused look on my face. Many, if not all times, every single one of their scenes. I was like, girl, what? But Zanab was, let's let's go over here and let's let's get our facts on Zanab. So Zanab was a 32-year-old flight attendant and Cole was a 27-year-old realtor. Okay, so this is another instance of like age again. Um, I, I, I guess I wasn't as perturbed by their age difference because I think Cole was in the age range where I was like, okay, you have more sense. 27 definitely feels like you have more sense. 25 feels like you have sense, but barely. 27 feels like you have more sense. But again, all my viewpoints on age still stand. But their edits really got going for me was the idea of dealing with your own or your partner's insecurities in a relationship. So throughout the episode, sorry, throughout the season, you can just see the insecurities that Zanab has. Um to me, within herself, but also I would say within the relationship. The things that Cole says, you can see how she like lingers on them. And to me, that's a big sign of insecurity. But definitely as someone who's sensitive, when people say things, I can kind of linger on things. So just seeing how she will linger on it, I could t- I just felt like, ah, oh, she's just like not that comfortable or like, you know, maybe questions the relationship. Like maybe she's comfortable in herself, but she questions and has insecurities about the relationship itself. And for that reason, it just made me seriously think about how do you tow that with your partner? Now, if you ask me, I think Cole did a really good job of that from his edits. Um, I think that there might've been times where, sure, maybe he shouldn't have said some things, but I think that for the things that Zanab threw at him, um, for the discomfort that she might have felt or the insecurity she might have felt in the relationship, I did feel that he tried to reassure her about how he felt about her, you know? 
I did feel as if he tried to give grace. Insecurities are going to be the thing that you are always, it's always going to come up in a relationship. It's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And naturally, this is probably an issue for so many of us who idealize love, as in, as I just talked about with Bartice and Nancy, where you're performing it. If you're just performing it, you're never getting to the point where you're giving someone actual grace. Somebody is going to have to see the parts of me that I hide every day. We don't really get to, there's no way to really determine what, when that or how or if that person is going to be there for you and give you grace for your insecurity until you actually just be yourself, you know, until you actually just, they actually just see it. Now, in that same breath, I think it's also important to not let your insecurities drive a wedge between you and your partner. And that's personal work that has to be done. I do not want to villainize her. And I do think it took a lot to still like bring herself in, into that space and to be authentic about her feelings. Because whatever the case was, those were her feelings. And lastly, for Cole and Sanab, they also brought up the thought for me of how honest or comfortable should we be with the reality that attractive people don't disappear just because we are suddenly in a relationship. And if you're honest with your partner, if they're supposed to be honest at all, like, should your partner be telling you when they're attracted to other people? You know, not with intentions to cheat, but how comfortable do you feel if your partner is like, oh yeah, she's bad. Go watch the show if you haven't and watch how these men were telling their partners about their attraction to these other women. Bartiz was... Bartise was out here drooling to Nancy about Raven and Cole, Cole, like, I literally can't remember exactly what he did, but he had a conversation with Colleen and it was known to Colleen's partner and Zanab that Cole and Colleen thought that each other was cute. And I just would just cry. One of my friends said it to, um, said it to me the other day, having a level of empathy of like, why would you want your partner? You know that's going to sit on your partner's mind. So why would you want it to be something that lingers on their mind for too long? If you're going to be honest with your partner, you don't have to be brutally honest. It could be enough to just be like, oh yeah, they're cute. But what 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 good does it do if I know that you want to do things to somebody? If I know that you are like so, like you can't stop talking about this person. This person is so fine this person is so much yet you're here with me like what am i a slab of of dry old meat traction doesn't mean cheat because like I said the question here is we don't what, what do you do because attraction does not stop just because you're in a relationship i have no conclusions on that besides honesty is important honesty is very important but with honesty you do have to carry some care but let's move on to SK and Raven. These last two couples didn't really have, I didn't really have too much here with these last two couples, but there's still kind of some heavy points, I guess. But SK was, oh gosh. Sekiru, also known as SK, is a 34-year-old data engineer going to my alma mater, Go Bears. And he was engaged to Raven, who was a 27-year-old Pilates instructor. What I did want to share that I really liked about this couple, these are, at least this is one thing that I really, really liked, was the beauty of the slow burn. Okay, the slow burn. Like, I loved how long it took for them to, like, 
It didn't even seem like they had a connection, honestly. Let's say that first. But what I really, really appreciate about SK and Raven was that they showed a different side of what love could look like. I think often you hear this idea that you grow into love. Now, again, I think things are very important, like physical attraction and actually caring for your partner beforehand. Some level of I like my partner. But as you get to know someone, you just grow into loving more of them. Um, and I feel like SK and Raven were a good demonstration of that in a day and age where everything is so quick. It was really cool to watch people date in a way that felt very much so like, even if we question if they liked each other, it felt very much so like, well, this is what love will look like to us. I love the idea of defining love beyond and outside of all of those things that feel super, super like fast. It seemed as if SK and Raven were really taking their time to get to know each other. Waiting doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't guarantee anything at all. But what it does guarantee for me, at least one thing, I guess it does guarantee one thing, is that I get to make a more willing choice for myself about whether or not I actually do want to engage with you versus a more impulsive reaction. Okay, so we are picking back up a few weeks later because for some reason... Something happened in my recording and I wasn't able to get the rest of my recording, but it's okay. Technical difficulties, they happen. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up and we're just going to jump right back in to the last couple because I think I said everything I needed to say about Raven and SK. The last couple was Matt and Colleen. So Colleen was a 26-year-old ballerina and her fiance was Matt, 28-year-old private charter sales executive cool now i thought they were similar to brendan and alexa a little bit boring like i could have fast forwarded through some of their parts but they did drop two key nuggets for me that i was like okay those are some big takeaways that i'm not gonna play with because i think they are really important in the dating game so one was dating through your limited narrative of who you believe that you are. So Colleen kept talking about how she felt as if when she dated, people only saw her in a certain way, that men only saw her as the ballerina or they were just interested in her for the superficial aspects of her identity rather than getting to know her herself. There was even this awkward interaction where she told Cole, that she didn't like to get deep. And so he said he's not looking for someone who's superficial and she got offended. But I'm like, girl, that's how you introduced yourself. That is literally how you stepped into the game. Every single scene, at least that the producers, how they edited things, every single scene in the, in the wall stage of the show, Colleen was introducing herself as a ballerina. She was sharing how she doesn't get deep. And I'm like, you can't be mad at people for picking up what you put down. It's kind of weird to assume that people would think anything else or that people should know automatically to do more or to expect more to look for more when you're literally setting the tone of how they should treat you so I thought that was interesting because I, I've caught myself doing that too like you know you speak things into existence if you are going out into the world presenting yourself as one thing you can't wonder why people with interacting with you in that manner or interacting with you as that thing. And I think her story of like the frustration of not being able to connect deeply with people was just really telling that it's not the people, sis, it's you. You are your main blocker. And that could be for many, many reasons. That could be 
attributed back to like childhood trauma, a lot of things like that. You know, things, different things affect how we move as adults. But nonetheless, like when you are out here setting the narrative, don't be confused by people reading that book. I'm also home for the holidays. So if you hear, if you hear things, it's not me. It's, it's me being home for the holidays. And then the second point here was also Matt. Uh, he showed me dating with a cool head is important. Not projecting past trauma onto your partner is important. Those are things that at least we already know off tops, but I think it's crazy to see how someone's trauma really truly can impact a relationship. Seeing him switch and get angry so fast, y'all. Like, go watch it, see what I'm talking about. Because I also don't want to put the narrative on someone that they're like, you know, not level-headed, but there were just a lot of moments where I was like, why is that man tripping like that? And as a woman, it's scary when men have so many um, emotional responses that they don't understand as emotional, that they don't communicate and realize like, I'm just as emotional of a a being as a woman or anyone in between. Like I've met so many men who love to say that women are so emotional, but to me, I've met many more men who are more emotional than women because quite frankly, we're human. Emotions are a natural thing. And what you do when you act as if that's not something that you actually participate in or actually have is you get to glide by by and have crazy outbursts and then say that that's just normal. You get to like act as if I'm tripping for being scared by your your outbursts. You act as if an outburst is not an emotional reaction. And that's what I experienced a lot when I was watching the show. I was very uncomfortable with how he suddenly flipped the script off things that he felt like were disrespectful by Colleen or like, you know, and I'm not talking about things that were actually disrespectful in my eyes, but things that were quite normal that, you know, seemed as if maybe his past trauma had totally tainted how that actually reads. And then rather than talking with his partner about it, it turned into something where he was using threatening antics and manipulation to constantly keep her in place. The threat of I'm going to leave you, knowing damn well that this girl wants love, you know, that threat of I'm going to leave you because you didn't do what I want. You know what that's going to do to somebody. And I just felt like he really, really, really was a, a great symbol of how important it is to be able to take a moment, breathe, and talk. And if you're someone who needs space rather than talking right away, I'm kind of like that. Sometimes I do need to take a moment before I like hop back into a conversation. I'm, I'm going to take space from you for sure. Like that's fine. Do that. But that kind of outburst, throwing those kind of threats out there, don't be surprised when the person actually does decide, yeah, leave. That's fine. That's totally fine. Overall, Love is Blind season three, it had a lot of good takeaways. Almost everyone could find themselves in every single one of these people. And I think it's important to be able to see yourself in that so you can see either things that are healthy or things that are not healthy to do as you're trying to date and find your partner or find your partners, whatever that might look like for you. But either way, I say go check it out. I think it's a nice light watch, especially as we're ending the year. Congratulations, we've made it through 2022. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. And I hope that you have a safe New Year's. I hope that you welcome it in just right, however you see fit. And I will talk to you very soon. We'll be back with more, with better. I'm definitely gonna be thinking more about how we can amplify the podcast, how we can make it feel just right. And I just really appreciate the support in me trying to get my my footing, my grounding. Like, 
I appreciate the support a lot. So like the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share the podcast on Apple. Oh my gosh, can you guys? Hey, I'm recording the podcast. Jeez. Let's try that again, shall we? Like the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go ahead and give me a comment on both of those platforms too. And most importantly, share with a friend who you know would enjoy or is looking to figure out how to face their anxieties as well. But until then, oh my gosh, my cats, geez. Until then, we'll see you next time where there's less noise and less happening over here. But appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Bye.